The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. This is not a buy, sell or hold recommendation for any particular security. Welcome to 91's 2024 Investment Views. In this series of conversations, our investment professionals and portfolio managers will explore their views for the year ahead and assess the outlook for their asset classes and regions. In a world where the sentiment on China has turned not only negative, but negative enough to raise the question, is it still investable? Hello, I'm Jennifer Ford, a portfolio specialist on the Four Factor Investment Team, and I'm joined by Wayne Chang Ma, the portfolio manager on our All China Equity and China Asia Strategies, who's here to share her views on the ground and why investors should rethink their stance on the market. Now, Wayne Chang, we've seen quite a bit of volatility in China over the last few years as it's faced a host of challenges, both foreign and domestic. Can you speak a bit about what have been the headwinds in 2023? Hi, Jen. Yes, indeed. The domestic and overseas investor sentiment have both weakened after a brief initial rebound uh, following China ended the COVID lockdowns at the beginning of 2023. The economic recovery subsequently was actually slower than what market expected, and that was mainly dragged by the continued weakness in the property sector. So externally, the macro environment in developed markets um, puts a lot of pressure on the demand outlook and the, the persistency of interest rate hikes and a very strong U.S. dollar um, have both also weighed on the China equities asset class overall. Now, uh, property um, is something that we have heard a lot about from clients. It's certainly top of their minds. Now, that's no surprise because it accounts for 20 to 30 percent, roughly, of China's GDP. So outside of property, given how much that's weighed on sentiment, uh, what are some of the other areas of opportunities and, and any in particular that you think might surprise investors? Yeah, so indeed, given property's large contribution to China's economy, the weakness in the property sector is very broad-based across uh, a number of uh, um, elements, such as land auction, construction, and also property sales to the end customers. This has created a very big drag to the broader economy um, because a lot of the companies in the upstream and the downstream, such as construction materials and also furnishing industries, are all have heavily dependent on the property sector. So China has been rolling out measures to stabilize the property market and the pace of the property loosening has accelerated since August. Um, So going into 2024, the comparative base uh, should be getting easier. If the property sector stabilizes, it should help broader corporate earnings and also uh, the equity market sentiment overall. So this may lead to some cyclical growth opportunities on the China equity market. There are companies that have been going through uh, a very long destocking and earnings downgrade cycle that may finally be showing some positive signs of improvement, uh, which the market can be quite slow in accepting. Um, Meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, given the current valuation level of Chinese equities, which is still, uh, in our view, discounting a very negative outlook, um, it allows us to position ourselves in some of the investment ideas in companies that used to trade on much higher valuation levels, but have got cheaper with the rest of the market, despite them um, delivering solid earnings growth. There are also long-term structural opportunities that we continue to like. So we're talking about the consumer companies that are gaining market share with product premiumization. We're also talking about industrial and technology companies that are moving up the value chain and uh, gaining business from China's strong incentive to increase its self-sufficiency. And also renewable energy enablers that are well positioned to grow with the global decarbonization in initiatives. Also, some SOE companies are moving forward with reforms to improve profitability and cash flow generation, and those could also be um, good long-term structural investment opportunities. So there are some great companies that are of decent quality, consistently meeting or beating market expectations in terms of earnings, and are trading at attractive valuations. So we continue to position ourselves in them. And in in these opportunities, um, whether they are cyclically driven or structurally driven, do you uh, have an emphasis on whether you think that the companies are more domestically oriented or those that are more globally exposed have a bigger part to play in in your portfolios? Our portfolios at the moment are predominantly Uh, positioned towards the companies whose earnings are driven by the domestic economy. And we are selectively positioned in companies that do have a large exposure to the export market if these companies are deemed to have a very strong competitive advantage uh, in the global arena. And also, when we are thinking about where the companies are listed, we are taking a holistic view. There are some structural differences between the onshore and the offshore offshore markets, though, that we have to recognize. So the domestic market is dominated by domestic investors, and retail investors are the biggest contributor to the onshore equity market turnovers. The offshore market has more representation of overseas investors and tend to be more sensitive to international macro and geopolitical headlines. Um, This year's investor sentiment has been quite weak for both the onshore and the offshore markets but impacts the offshore market more relatively. Uh, Meanwhile, the southbound flow, which is uh, mainly domestic investors buying Hong Kong-listed Chinese stocks using the Stock Connect scheme, has been increasing in 2023 um, because some domestic investors are seeing cheap valuation on the Hong Kong market to be a good opportunity to accumulate the positions. For us, it's really focusing on uh, the best companies in terms of the quality and attractive valuation and also the delivery of their earnings versus market expectations, uh, regardless of where these companies are listed. And finally, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Your portfolio manager invests in China equities and you're positive on the investment opportunities. Now, are you positive because it comes with a hat that you wear? Or how do you bridge the gap between your views and client concerns? 
So I think as a China equities manager, the idea is not to call the market with a bullish or bearish recommendation. The idea is to bring in a balance in light of the dominating pessimism on the asset class and remind our investors of what the opportunity set looks like and what to look for in this asset class. So to help them make more informed decisions, the Chinese equity market has been volatile with domestic and external macro challenges, and geopolitical environment has not been helpful. But the negative sentiment we are seeing across the market also provides attractive entry point to pick up some great companies that we can buy cheaper by sticking to fundamental bottom-up stock selections and looking for the best few in a very large and very liquid universe that has diversified industries and some of the most comprehensive supply chains globally. So in the end, the idea is really to focus on what matters most in this asset class. Thank you very much for being with us today, Wen Cheng. Thank you. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views of the podcast are those of contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.